Blog Talk Radio. September 23rd, 2016 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, and this is where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism uniquely upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peikoff, and I see a lot of my usual listeners over here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio. So welcome, Corey. I think Dominique I've seen in there. Uh, a few times before, maybe not every week. Ed, good to see you. Herman, John, a number of guests. Jonathan, just Jean, Kay, Ken is in there. Robert NYC, welcome. Sally, Selfishness, Tim, good to see you guys. Uh, blast off, Tim says there in the chat room. Yeah, so go to the blog at don'tletitgo.com. I've got a little bit of a hodgepodge title going there today just because of the collection of stories that we have this week. I'm calling it Charlotte Charlatans and a Culture of Censorship. You can check out the program notes at the blog at don'tletitgo.com. First up on that list, though, I've got exciting news about the show. As you know, we're already on 880 The Biz in Miami, and that's Tuesday mornings, very, very early, 6 p.m., excuse me, 6 a.m. Eastern Time, But now what's going to happen starting the 13th of October, Thursdays, starting the 13th of October in Denver, this show is going to be on KDMT AM 1680. And exactly how that's going to work, I may actually end up uh, doing it live because it's going to be at noon mountain time which is something a little bit more congenial to my schedule if I'm going to try to do a live show. If I want to do a live show for Miami, that would be 3 in the morning, which is a little bit uh, tricky for me to do logistically speaking. But 11 a.m. Pacific time, I can certainly swing that. So I'm talking with the producers over at High Road Producers to see if we can figure out a way that I can actually do that live, take live calls from Denver KDMT. So I will keep you posted. If you want to subscribe over at the blog at don'tletitgo.com, that means that you'll get an email whenever I put a blog post over there. That's probably the most reliable way to keep up with news on the show. And, and you know, again, the 13th of October is coming up pretty quickly, and that may necessitate a redoing of my entire schedule of doing this show. I might do it only one day a week on Thursdays, depending on what we do with Miami, or I might actually end up doing a show 
a couple days a week. I might do Mondays and Thursdays. So go to the blog, don'tletitgo.com. Make sure you subscribe to the blog, follow the blog, preferably by getting an email, and then you'll be kept up to date on all of the cool stuff. You can also uh, you know, follow the Facebook page, the Don't Let It Go Unheard Facebook page. But I think you have to, besides just being a follower of the page or a liker of the page, you have to click some extra thing to say that you want to see it first in your news feed or something. So feel free to do that as well if you're liking to spend, you know, more time getting your updates on Facebook in, instead of anywhere else. So like I said, go to the blog, don'tletitgo.com. You can see the list of stories that I have for today. You know, it was last Saturday that we had this horrible bombing in New York, New Jersey. And this is just a follow-up story, thanks to William Bush for giving me the, the link to the link. Investigators haven't ruled out the possibility that the U.S. bombing suspect, Rahami, had accomplices. So this was just published yesterday over at L.A. Times. They are investigating to see if there are accomplices. There were two men seen on the surveillance video Saturday night taking a pressure cooker bomb out of a suitcase on West 27th Street in Manhattan. That bomb did not explode. Uh, the men were seen in the video between 8 and 9 p.m. The same hour the other bomb detonated in a dumpster on 23rd Street a few blocks away. Uh, the two men have not been declared persons of interest or suspects in the case. You might wonder why. I don't know why. Uh, but they say investigators have not ruled out the possibility that they played a role in the plot. Hmm. I don't see why these investigators just keep playing dumb all the time. You know, at first, oh, it wasn't a terrorist attack. It was an intentional something or the other, de Blasio trying to rewrite reality to, you know, evade that it is an actual terrorist attack, most likely inspired by ISIS. The story goes on to talk about all of the travel uh, of Rahami and all these reasons that they should have never let this guy be out there to, you know, put these bombs together and, uh, you know, harm and maim so many, so many people. So, you know, our our government, our leaders, they are defaulting on their job of protecting us in the most basic way from physical harm from abroad. And what is the answer? Hillary Clinton is probably going to step up the number of refugees that we want to bring in this country. And again, in the L.A. Times story, they say that Rahami's family came over here as part of a refugee population back in the 90s. We need to do better in terms of screening these people. And if we cannot adequately screen, you know, and if, we, and if we're going to take in so many that we can't even keep track of them and get them, you know, off the streets once they give some clear signs of posing risk, then maybe we need to restrict the numbers that come from certain countries and certain populations. You know, again, what is the standard for a proper immigration policy. It is the protection of the individual rights of Americans. This is what we need to figure out. How is that going to apply uh, today when we have horrible atrocities like this going on? Let me go over to the chat room at Blog Talk and see if we've got some comments. Oh, people are saying, 
program's not playing when they're on Safari, but some people say it's on Safari. There are sometimes glitches on Blog Talk. A lot of times you have to refresh right after the show starts, and then will do it. Uh, people have, you know, better luck with certain browsers and anything like that. Um, uh, Ken is asking, am I going to do the show live and not a Blog Talk repeat? Right, so I'm thinking of actually doing at least one of these shows live and, and the logical one would be the Denver because it's at a congenial hour. Uh, Dominique in the chat room says, really like the Aristotle megaphone artwork. Yeah, I I love that. I love that. Uh, by the way, that's due to an ad company called Moonshine. It's really a one-man operation. It's Glenn Jameson. And he came up with that idea Obviously, you know, it's, it's from Raphael's School of Athens. And in the original artwork, you've just got Plato and Aristotle in the middle of all of these other great historic thinkers. But it shows you that eternal philosophical duel between Plato and Aristotle, where Plato was pointing up, basically saying that there's a superior, higher dimension where, you know, that we should be focused on. For Plato, it was called the world of the forms, but there's variations on it throughout history heaven, etc. And Aristotle, he puts his hand out flat to signal that, no, the thing that we're concerned about is this world that we live in, the things that we can perceive. Aristotle didn't have the theory of knowledge completely right, but in, in focusing on this world and focusing on the things, the entities that we see in this world informing our concepts, he was definitely on the right track compared to Plato. So it's fitting that if you're going to have one of them putting the, the megaphone in the other one's ear, it's going to be Aristotle to Plato because Aristotle definitely was a, uh, a vast improvement over Plato. You know, Plato is often seen as the first systematic philosopher, and he should get a ton of credit for that, you know, having organized views in metaphysics, epistemology, ethics, politics, etc. But Aristotle came and improved on them and he has a you know pro-life and relatively egoistic philosophy compared to Plato so if you're going to see philosophy uh, throughout you know ideas throughout history as the eternal duel between essentially Aristotelian and essentially Platonic this show fits in with Aristotle so it's it was just a really brilliant idea that he had to go ahead and, and do that um yeah, Ken says, cool, the live radio would presumably engage more listeners directly. That's the idea. I mean, that people in Denver who would be listening presumably during their lunch hour. It's a pretty good time slot, noon on a weekday. And it'd be nice to get some call-ins and see how that goes and engage some people. Speaking of which, if you do want to call in and talk today to me, you can call here through Blog Talk Radio. And the number is 760 888 5817 again that 7608885817 I've got a variety of topics that you can chime in on over at dontletitgo.com so yeah that was a long-winded explanation of the art but thanks again to Glenn Jameson for the brilliant idea and for the great execution of it as well that's some good photoshopping of the um the school of Athens so and if, if you guys don't even know what I'm talking about, just go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com and you'll see the artwork as the header there as well. But I've got it all over social media too for you to check out. 
Okay. So, um, yeah, so terrorist attack last week. This week we have riots in Charlotte. And the latest that I've got here for you guys is from Front Page Magazine. Daniel Greenfield did a write-up on this story and is trying to set the record straight because, in his view, the mainstream media is not giving you an accurate picture. And he does not pull punches. So, uh, you know, he says Keith Lamont Scott, the one who was shot by a police officer in Charlotte, he says he was scum. Writes Greenfield, quote, he had been convicted of assault with a deadly weapon in two different states and convicted of assault in three states. He had been hit with, quote, assault with intent to kill charges in the 90s. His record of virtue included, quote, assault on a child under 12 and also assault on a female, end quote. The media spin is that family and neighbors call Scott a quiet family man. Writes Greenfield, nothing says quiet like assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill, and nothing says family man like assaulting women and children. He says, Keith Lamont Scott, the latest martyr of Black Lives Matter and its media propaganda corps, was shot while waving a gun around. He had spent seven years in jail for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. He says this vicious monster's career of crime ended when he was shot by Brentley Vinson, an African-American police officer, protecting himself from the latest rampage by this, quote, quiet family man. He says Brentley Vinson is everything that Scott isn't. The son of a police officer, Brentley dreamed of following in his father's footsteps. He used to organize his football team's Bible studies and mentored young players. Former teammates described him as a great guy with good morals. His former coach called him a natural leader and says that, quote, we need more Brent Vincents in our communities. And, uh, you know, what does Greenfield go on to say? He says, no, our leaders, they don't. They think we need more of, you know, Scots. We need more Keith Lamont Scots in our world. And, you know, what is it that it's going to take for people to actually realize the nature of what's going on? You can't say that this is a racist issue because not only is the police officer who shot Scott black, right? Uh, but at the same time, the police chief in Charlotte, Kerr Putney, uh, who has taken the lead in defending Vincent, is also African-American. So how is it that you could say that there's this genocidal conspiracy to kill black men? That's the words that Greenfield is using. How can you say that that's true when these are the facts? These are the actual facts of the situation. So what is it that they want to do in Charlotte? You know, they don't care about the truth. They want to basically recharacterize it and use it as a pretext to have racist riots and looting and everything else about there. He says, uh, you know, and Greenfield goes on to really trace out the nihilism behind this, right? Uh, he says, the truth is that it, this is not about race. He says, but it's about those who want to build, people like Vincent. And he says, those who want to destroy. It's about the difference between Brentley Vincent and Keith Lamont Scott, he says it's about what kind of country we want to be. Is it a country that celebrates a young black football player who chose to follow in his father's footsteps, 
who organized Bible study and helped others. You know, Greenfield adds those details in, right? Religion and altruism. But, you know, just think of somebody who was productive and honest and, and chooses to follow in the footsteps of people who uphold the law. And he says, look, he risked his life to keep other people safe. Is that what we want? We want to celebrate those people, he says, or is it one that celebrates Keith Lamont Scott, who assaulted a woman, a child, and anyone else he could get at, who terrorized three states and died as he lived? He says, Obama and the left won a nation of Keith Lamont Scotts, but now it's our turn to choose. And, you know, insofar as we have the ability to, A, learn the truth about these situations, and B, speak out about it, then we are going to help choose those people who are going to make up the future. Is it going to be the Vincents or is it going to be the Scots? This has absolutely nothing to do with race is the message here. This has everything to do with nihilism and, you know, in in effect, the, you know, insofar as they are trying to uplift Scott and make him better than he is, they are destroying you know, the reputation of someone like Vincent, who is truly good. It is the destruction of people of good values by elevating those who are bad. I've, I've seen some videos out there of some of the the rioting. In one of them, there's a whole bunch of thugs who just get out on the middle of a busy street in numbers and harass people who are just driving, who have nothing to do with anything. They are just, you know, first of all, trying to get the cars to stop. And then they all try to surround the car. And luckily in the clip that I saw, they didn't actually succeed in getting anybody to really stop and and harass them because the car was able to kind of get around and speed off and didn't hit them. But I mean, what would you do if you were in this situation? You knew, for example, that some of these thugs had tried to throw a journalist. Journalists are their friends, right? Why would they do this? But they tried to take a photographer or a journalist and try to throw them in one of the bonfires. Uh, they drug around and beat up somebody else who was pleading for mercy. <sighs> people out there saying that the white people are the devil and everything else, stirring up all of this racism. And as far as I know, for, for no good reason. One thing I don't know is whether the video of what happened has been released from what I understand from what the police chief has said, the video would corroborate Vincent's, you know, account of, of what happened that no, it wasn't a book that in fact, Scott was waving a gun. Rob Abier in the chat room over here at blog talk radio says that black lives matter held a die in at the university of Oklahoma main campus in Norman yesterday. Yeah, so, and and Herman's asking what a die-in is. I understand a die-in is that they all sit there and pretend to be dead. They lie on the floor as if they have been killed to make a, you know, point. They're saying, oh, well, we're, you know, we're being killed unfairly. Robert NYC in the chat room is back on the topic of Aristotle. We'll have to have a follow-up on that later. Yeah, Aristotle is very close to Rand. Um, there's some bystander video of the shooting that's being shown, says Tim here in the chat room. So, Tim, in your opinion, is that bystander 
video corroborating what Vincent says, that this guy, Scott, is up there waving a gun. You know, there is some video out there as well that's being, I think uh, uh, Milo was sharing it. Okay, so we do have a video. Uh, Tim's got a link over here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio of a video if you want to check it out. I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch it and keep broadcasting the, the show at this moment, but I will check it out after and then we'll take a look at it. John Kenny in the chat room says, it's Obama's fault, the Alinsky agenda, yet Obama's approval keeps going up. You know, the only way Obama's approval can go up right now is because he looks comparatively reasonable and sane compared to the two leading candidates for president right now. It's it's really, really quite scary. And this is where the charlatans comes in, right? We have Charlotte and charlatans. What's been happening on the ground there in Charlotte this week? I have a friend on Facebook who was talking about it. They were saying that certain businesses and schools actually ended up being closed for a day or more there as a result of all of this rioting and looting, as if all this rioting and looting is justified. There is a so-called news source out there that was reporting that they were saying to the rioters in Charlotte that if you were found rioting, that your welfare benefits and food stamp benefits would be taken away for life if you were out there found rioting, or maybe if it was your kid, then your benefits would be taken away because you should be controlling your children, et cetera. But Snopes says no. So I'm I'm not uh, reporting on that one. It, it'd be nice if so, right, if there were actually consequences for these people who are out there rioting and looting. Uh, Tim says that the video shows a gun on the ground after this shooting. Okay. An automatic. So you know, was he waving it around? We're going to have to go ahead and, and take a look at it. Um, let's see. Oh, they were going to move the Vikings game, says someone. Um, I wouldn't want to risk raising the gate covering my store during a period of rioting, rioting, no. But we were talking about, you know, during the next day, schools in Charlotte were closed and then also some businesses that wouldn't be retail businesses. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're going back to, uh, to sports and football there in the chat room. I am going to talk about sports at the very end, but only at, at the very end today. So, so it is, it's, it's this nihilistic movement that is black lives matter. Even if you have a black upstanding police officer, the type of person that you would want as a role model for the community, and you have someone who has a clear criminal record and probably was waving a firearm around, and there was a reason for this person to be shot, nonetheless, this, you know, Scott becomes the poster boy for this movement. That shows you how nihilistic, how emotionalist this movement is. They're using this as a justification just to lash out and act on racist motives. There are people within that movement who just say, look, you know, all white people are the devil. There was one legislator, I didn't include this link, but one legislator was saying that uh, people ha hate white people because white people are successful, White people are successful, and that's why they hate them. So it is 
what Ayn Rand often called hatred of the good for being the good. And if you try to persecute this Vincent for defending himself against someone who's waving a gun around, you say, what, he's got no right to defend himself? He's got to die because otherwise Black Lives Matter is going to get mad at you and, and riot all the time? This is not good. And, and it's a default by the leadership in our country. We should have you know, Barack Obama out there defending someone like Vincent. We should, certainly shouldn't have Hillary Clinton out there tweeting, you know, it's, it's bad that someone who is black got killed by a police officer. You know, all, all you have to know is someone black got killed by a police officer. Don't know anything else, but just get mad about it and, you know, show that you disapprove it on Twitter. And that's going to get you elected, I guess, if you're Hillary Clinton. She went out there and that's completely irresponsible to, to do that. Now, let's see here. Um, Ed says, reports I've read say that 70% of the protesters arrested have out-of-state driver's licenses. And he says, are they bust in by Soros? Who knows? Who knows? And, you know, just speaking of Soros, I didn't say it a minute ago, but someone said that Snopes has been purchased by Soros. So that if Snopes, you know, deems and tells you that certain news stories are false, you can't even necessarily believe that anymore, that Snopes is not an objective fact-checking source anymore. And if that is true, that is really scary. Oh, they're talking about DeRay, who's been the spokesman for Black Lives Matter. Uh, he says Soros funds Black Lives Matter. <sighs> he funds a lot of things. This is this is scary stuff. Um Okay, now Rob is asking what reports, Ed. We want links, Ed. We want links. What reports? I have heard that there's, you know, kind of this movement just to bring people in and, and do these protests everywhere and try to try to stir it up. I mean, they did that with Occupy as well. Just another version of hatred of the good. That's all it is. I mean, the environmentalist movement, another version of hatred of the good. Occupy, anti-1%, hatred of the good. Here we've got pretty stark example of hatred of the good because they say it's about race and yet you've got the two men of the same race the thing that's different about them is their character and the media and our politicians for the you know our leftist politicians anyway are all sympathetic with the thug and ready to attack the police officer the police officer who risks his life every single day out there to protect all of us you know how long our police officers, you know, there's actually a woman who I know who is trying right now to become a police officer. And I mean, bless her, you know, because imagine that in today's day and age, good people go out there and they say, look, I want to do this. I'm ready to risk my life. You know, police officer, it could be a very good career. But today, police officers are so vilified by so many people in the population and there are senseless acts of senseless violence against police officers by some of these racists. So anyway, um, you know, bless everyone who does that, that, and of course those people who put up with the military being in the military today when there's no clear direction in the, in the military. So let's get to the charlatans. 
Unless I've got, actually, let me look at the studio and see if I've got somebody who wanted to talk. Yeah, if you do want to talk when you call in at 760-888-5817, if you press 1, that will put you in the queue to talk to me as well. Uh, so we'll we'll leave Charlotte. And thanks to Daniel Greenfield for you know going out there and, and searching for the truth about this. It's not surprising that he's the you know the person who's going to write the most incisive article about it. Uh, from that to Josh Josh Whedon. Josh Whedon. Some people like him. Some people think he's overrated. But what Joss Whedon has now done is he has launched a campaign to try to get you to vote. And what you can tell from this little video that he's put out there is that he definitely wants you to not vote for Trump. Definitely not for Trump. There are some vague allusions to the Democrats platform. So probably they want you to vote for Clinton, but they're not necessarily saying maybe they'd be satisfied if you voted for Johnson, but certainly they want you to vote against Trump. Voting against Trump is, in the implication of this video, a, a heroic and necessary act. How many of you guys over at the chat room at Blog Talk have seen this video already? I was going to try and get your perspective on it. Yeah, Corey says they want Clinton. I know most of them want Clinton. Please tell me that Robert Downey Jr. doesn't want Clinton. I mean, maybe she wants Clinton because, I mean, he wants Clinton because he thinks Clinton is the only reasonable alternative. Stuart says, I saw it. What did you think of it? I mean, first of all, did you laugh at all? Or are you not able to even find this funny? Okay, now Corey said something about Downey, but I didn't understand it. You'll have to repeat that. Um, yeah, Stuart says Robert Downey Jr. has said in the past that he's not liberal anymore, but yes, he wants Clinton. So he might be one of the people who thinks, okay, the devil you know versus the devil you don't. Oh, you thought Downey would be against Clinton. Yeah, that's what I would think too. But uh, So Stuart says, I chuckled at the part about loss of celebrities, but that was it. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a self-conscious take, you know, dig at this exact sort of video, right? Um, I can't even repeat because there's profanity in it. I would play it for you, but there's profanity in the audio of this. Um, but, you know, they talk about a whole bunch having a whole ton, they say it in profane terms, of celebrities to come and tell you what to think and how to vote and what to do. And they're making fun of that at the same time he's doing it because he feels so desperate that Trump is the wrong person for America. And in some ways, of course, you're sympathetic about this, you're, he's right. But, I mean, at least it's honest in the sense that the video cannot come out explicitly enthusiastically for Clinton. All it can really do is come out against. Uh, but basically, the, the thing that is kind of funny is toward the end, they promise you. And, I mean, is, is this, I guess this will be a spoiler. So spoiler alert. So pause this and go watch the video yourself if you don't want me to spoil this all-important video for you. Of course, as they said, it's titled Important. And they got 27 actors in this video. But towards the end of it, they promise that if you vote, and if you vote against Trump, and I guess if Trump loses, right? So you go out there, you vote against Trump, and Trump loses, that there is going to be a nude scene of Mark Ruffalo 
in in the next movie, I guess, that Whedon directs or whatever. So are you excited about that? Who knows? It, it is kind of funny, and, you know, Ruffalo's kind of sheepish about this. You know, do I really have to do that? Shouldn't they just vote for voting's sake and, you know, for the sake of duty and all that? So it's funny. It is funny. I mean, and, and as I was saying when I was sharing this with some friends on social media, I suppose it's a little better to try to laugh about the fact that we're voting out there and we're voting against what we think is horrible because we really can't be enthusiastic voting for anything this time around. And that's clearly the message that you get. I mean, all they can say for sure is they think it would be really bad if Trump would win. They can't say that it would be really good if Clinton won, right? It'd just be really horrible if Trump won. So it's, uh, you you know, what a sad state of the world when they have to do this, when they feel that they have to do this, the fact that it is such kind of a half-hearted, cheesy effort to get you motivated to vote is telling in and of itself about, you know, what we have to go on this election cycle. It is no accident that today over in the program notes, I try to give us a heavy dose of good news at the end that has nothing to do with the election or anything else this time around, because there just doesn't seem to be that much good news uh, about the election this time. I've got a call over here on the switchboard. I'm going to grab it. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, Amy, this is Corey. How are you doing? Hey, Corey. Uh, thanks for calling in and thanks for the congratulations. It's much appreciated. How are you? Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. I'm doing great. Um, I have a question for you. Um, has, do you know of anybody that's ever actually changed their mind because a celebrity said vote for so-and-so or don't vote for so-and-so? <laughs> Uh, I would say only if you're completely ambivalent, right? Uh, and it may actually be the right now. I don't even know if I'm motivated enough to go to the polls at all because I just can't see that it's really going to be that much better if one or the other wins. Maybe if Trump no, in fact, won. I, I, in fact, it does the opposite for me. You know, if, if someone, I don't like being told what to do, so. I'll just go the opposite. Yeah, but I, I don't know that I would I would really, you know, I mean, you might have that feeling. And, and a lot of people, when they saw this video, they said, wow, I'm almost motivated to go vote for Trump because of this video that they did this. But in another way, I'm, I'm sympathetic. I mean, there are some real problems with Trump, and I think that oh, you know, yeah, they, 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 they are recognizing those, those problems and it's just pathetic that they have so little that they can do. All they can do is this cheesy humor and promising Mark Ruffalo in a nude scene <laughs> to get you Jeez. to vote against That's Trump. Just to pathetic. Yeah. No. I, I just, I just have a rebellion in me. I don't like being told what to do. And, you know, when you see these act, you know, actors or whatever, you know, who cares? You know, back in like the 1800s, actors were lower than prostitutes on the social scale. So right. I kind of, you know, I mean, I just kind of go back to that. No, and now and now they're elevated as, as these great authorities. But, you know, it, it's good that you have this spirit of wanting to protest, Corey, because that means that the American sense of life is alive and well in you, right? Because what is it that we learn from Rand? It's defiance, not obedience. That is the right. basic yeah. Yeah, the basic mode of, of a true American. Yeah, in Europe, you know, maybe they go along with the leaders, with the celebrities. But 
here in America. It, it's that defiant spirit that characterizes us. So in, in a way that's good at the same time, you know, this, this election cycle, you know, there's, there's a lot at stake because of where we are at and we have no good choice as between these two. And that's the thing that yeah. is truly, truly scary. Um, that's one of the, know, the, the other, the other day, speaking of, uh, speaking of celebrities, I was going to say that the other day, you know, Bono was out there and he was also <laughs> talking against Trump and he wasn't saying anything in favor of Clinton either, but it was just against Trump. And, you know, he was also saying how in America we stand for justice and equality. Right. And obviously if, if, a celebrity comes out there and says for equality, most likely because they're more liberal, they mean some sort of economic equality, equality of outcome in some way. Certainly not the equality before the law that our founding fathers had in mind. And it, you know, it's just sad. You've got a celebrity like Bono. He's, he's supremely talented. And in some ways, his heart is in the right place. He want, wanted to truly help people. As, as he's been out there trying to help people, he observed that the you know that capitalism really is the more effective way if you want to actually help people that you have to act in accordance with capitalism and not with government interference that that doesn't help yeah he mentioned something about that like several when was it that was probably about a year or so ago when all of a sudden i saw an article and he was like he came around like he did a 180 on capitalism i, I remember that article and yeah so i mean clearly I he keeps it. his he keeps his eyes open and, you know, when he sees evidence that his efforts to help people are better assisted by capitalist, you know, endeavors versus some sort of either just, you know, playing handout or government controls. And, and he, you know, that he actually admits that that's the case. Kudos to him. And also, you know, are we right to be scared of Trump? Certainly we are right to be worried about Trump. And I've got an article to talk about that in a minute. At the same time, when he's out there saying, you know, justice and equality, that's not good. And he doesn't give any criticism of, of Clinton as well. At least if you're going to bash Trump, at least also acknowledge that we're in this horrible spot with respect to Hillary Clinton. And Exactly. That's just yeah. the thing, too. It's like, okay, that's fine. Go after, you know, Trump all you want. But I just even it out a little, you know, I mean, at least admit, you know, that – yeah, uh, Clinton's not all that cracked up, you know. I mean, say something, you know. I, that's I, what drives me nuts. So. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you can you can tell. I mean, he did not say anything in in favor of her, but he left the implication, and that's the same, of course, with the Whedon video. With in the Whedon video, really, probably most people are going to say, yeah, he wants me to vote for Clinton. Doesn't really give me a whole lot of reason why, except for that she's not Trump. But that's what they want. It's really going to be interesting to see what happens during the debate and then what the reaction to everybody is after the debate as well. You know, is Clinton going to make it <laughs> physically yeah, through right. the debate? Yeah. And, and then also, you know, in terms of the performance and the content, what are we going to get? What sort of juxtaposition of, of ideas if any are we going to get in that debate well i think it's going to be great i'm going to have my popcorn ready i'll be watching that um hopefully it's as good as i think it's going to be but you never know oh god i just saw a a uh horrible bit of news in here in the chat room i don't know if you've seen this yet Corey. and i was actually looking 
earlier to see what this was. Huh, Ted Cruz. Did you hear about this? I Ted don't Cruz. know. Tell me. I just, yeah, go ahead. I, 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 may, I may have to stop the politics and go straight to the good news portion of my program notes after hearing this one. Stuart quotes Ted Cruz here in the chat room. After many months of careful consideration of prayer and oh, searching my go. own conscience, oh, sorry, I had to emphasize the Trump. Yep. I have decided that on election day, I will vote for the Republican nominee, Donald Trump. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, actually, I did. I did hear about that. Sorry. I did. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> no, a very long it, essay God, by Cruz hey, giving his reasons. Okay. Well, him. we're all going to have to go <laughs> and read this. Nice. So if you guys yep. want to throw me a link here in the chat room, then I want to go ahead and take a look. At Cruises. Oh, here it is. Uh, okay, so uh, Ed actually put it in the chat room. Ed gets the credit for this. It is over here at Facebook. Okay, this is Cruz. He says, this election is unlike any other in our nation's history. Like many other voters, I have struggled to determine the right course of action in Cleveland. I said, don't stay home. Vote your conscience. Vote. I'm, I'm skipping a little. You know, vote up and down the ticket, faithful to the Constitution. And then he says, after months of careful consideration, prayer, et cetera, he's going to vote for Trump. Two reasons. He says, last year I promised to support. Come on. He already talked about why that was not well, inten- and, intended to keep my word. He says, second, well, even he though I have a principled had, guy? Yeah, principled, but principles apply within a context. And I think he had made a very good case that the context in which he made that promise was no longer operative. So, you know, to come back to that now, he says, second, even though I've had areas of significant disagreement with our nominee, by any measure, Hillary Clinton is wholly unacceptable. That's why I have always been never Hillary. Six key policy differences inform my decision. Uh, Supreme Court, right? Uh, He says, free speech, religious liberty, the Second Amendment, court hangs in the balance, only one justice away, losing our most basic rights, et cetera. Um, and he says, today the Trump campaign has provided the greater specificity on the potential Supreme Court nominees that he's been looking for, including Senator Mike Lee, who would make an extraordinary justice. Uh, second, Obamacare. I, I don't – yeah, you don't, you don't support Trump if it's because of Obamacare because he's going to repeal and replace, Right. Oh, it says uh, Trump says that he would sign a piece of legislation that if they went ahead and and repealed it. Yeah. But what's going to have to be attached to that? What's going to be attached to that? And since when does Trump keep his agreements? Okay, so third energy. Okay, yeah. Would Trump be better for energy? Probably, I assume, because Trump wants to get the economy going. And they all know that the only way to get the economy going is by freeing up the energy market. And then, of course, Trump will tax it to death, but whatever. Uh, Fourth, immigration. You know, this is a legitimate fear. And this is where a lot of people won't even necessarily know what they're going to do vote-wise until that day. Trump has promised that he would revoke the illegal executive orders. Trump, of course, would also have a more restrictive immigration policy. Would it be a rational restrictive immigration policy? No. But what Clinton would do is Clinton would expand on this idea that we have to bring in all those refugees. Fifth, national security. 
yeah, willful blindness to radical Islamic terrorism. But, you know, he thinks that Trump would be better on this. He's promised to stop the deluge of unvetted refugees. Sixth, Internet freedom. That's huge. Uh, Clinton wants to hand over control of the Internet. Trump is against it. But, I mean, it's going to be too late by the time a Trump takes office, right? This is happening in how many days, the handover of the Internet? So, uh, you know, I don't think supporting Trump can make a difference to that issue because the handover is going to take place before Trump ever has up. So so here's, you know, Corey, you're on the spot because you called in. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry. But what do, you, what do you make of this? I mean, do you blame Cruz for deciding he's going to vote for Trump or you say, okay, I understand? Well, I, yeah, I don't really understand. I think he, he shouldn't, you know, if he is, I, I don't think he should have supported or said he was going to support Trump. Because then you say he wasn't going to do that, and then you went back. As far as I remember, I don't know. I have a bad memory too, though. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think I just think it's, it's it's bad. It just looks bad if he supports Trump with I don't know with everything that went on earlier. Um, you know, I just want to say that um, I, don't you think that it's good that Trump is talking about you know. As far as the immigration goes, I don't agree with this immigration policy, but as far as like, you know, certain in, uh, regions to not to vet those people more and to not let those in, people in, uh, you know, and, and make sure that they're fully uh, known and, 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 you know, background checked in the whole bit. Right. That, that, right. At least that's, that's a good thing. Right. So, I mean, I'm not saying build a wall between us and Mexico, but. You know, the people like in Syria, we need to figure out what their deal is. Oh, no, clearly. clearly. I mean, right now, right now we have, you know, the Obama administration has said that it's going to put into place before he leaves office a policy targeting to bring in 110,000 refugees. Our government should not have an aspiration to bring in any amount of refugees from anywhere. How is that government's job, first of all, right? You might right. have a private, you know, a private charitable organization that says, oh, my God, there's this horrible civil war going on in such and such place across the globe. And there's a, you know, minority population that, you know, they're, the, they're you know, there's genocide being committed against them or they're suffering, they're being tortured, whatever is going on, right? Um, and the private organization says, hey, we'd like to bring some of the refugees from this horrible injustice bring them over here and then somebody's got to pay to bring them somebody's got to pay to have them adequately screened and everything else right you've got to be apply and all that kind of thing um our government should not have any aspiration in this regard our government should not be taxing its citizens to pay the bill for this to happen. This is an act that should be charity. It's the subject of charity at best. And it should only be done if we can screen these people adequately um, and know that they're not going to be a risk. If there's some small percentage of error in the screening, we need to make sure that we don't bring in so many that the law enforcement who's on the ground here can handle it. There's all this stuff, right? So yeah, Clinton and the Obama and Clinton policy with regard to this is a dereliction of duty, maybe treasonous in terms of their duty to protect 
citizens of the United States is horrible. Do we have reason to think that Trump would be better in that regard? Probably. Um, probably. Probably he would be better in that regard. The problem is, is that he's not principled. And here's Ted Cruz, you know, as politicians go, a relatively principled person who I think is making a mistake of throwing an endorsement behind someone who is unprincipled. Um, I don't think that he should have endorsed Hillary against Trump either. Right. You know, I wouldn't require right. that he try to do that, but you know, this, he says, I encourage you to vote for him at the end. He encourages people to vote for Trump. And to me, yep. that is just sad. One more thing on that. Um, so like Trump, he doesn't even need Cruz at all. Like he didn't need it. So that's what makes me weird because Cruz doesn't need to endorse Trump. He, he could care less. So I wonder what the motivation is on. There's maybe some, maybe some kind of deal about, you know, what Cruz, what influence Cruz would get under a Trump presidency. And maybe Cruz thinks that he will have a chance to do enough good. One, I mean, one thing that I have had in my mind is regardless of whether we've got Hillary or Trump, in office or even a Johnson, a Gary Johnson in office, that Ted Cruz would be a valuable presence in the Senate. And he, cause he's so often the voice of sanity among politicians, you know, he and Mike Lee both. So, uh, and also um, Justin Amash, I like Amash as well. And there's other well, great I guess people maybe, there, but yeah. And I guess maybe, you know, Trump, you know, he's not religious or anything like that, but maybe he's thinking, well, I'll get the evangelicals or more of them over on my side and he'll just pay lip service to that, you know, because he's not religious, Trump, not really. He just, he'll do whatever's convenient, you know, as yeah. far as that goes. I mean, so, so, you know, so here we go. We've got, you know, somebody who's a fairly respectable person, Ted Cruz, and he's saying, vote for Trump. Is that going to make me vote for Trump? Not at all. Um, am right. I going to re rebel and vote against Trump because Ted Cruz is endorsing him? No, I'm pretty much where I was before, but I'm disappointed in Cruz. That's my initial reaction. And well, maybe do if he I... was in that Joss Whedon video, you would uh, you might vote for him. You know, <laughs> if if he and Downey like hugged each other in the Joss Whedon video, then you know, right. okay, then it'd be like okay, the yeah. the cool guys. Are they, oh my gosh, this is um, this is sad. Oh, I, some of my Facebook friends are on here. I can't. I'm not necessarily going to name them. <laughs> One says, "God damn it, Ted! I took Ted. I took you seriously." Yeah, people are very. Yeah, see, disappointed. that's the thing. Now. Yeah. And now I don't feel yeah. bad well, because this was this was only twenty some odd minutes ago. So this was you know right when I was trying to finish my my show prep. All I had in my program notes over at the blog was the link to the story about how now Donald Trump is trying to court Hispanic senators from Texas as opposed to the black vote. Well, it looks like Donald Trump has succeeded. I guess you could say that this is a testament to Donald Trump's deal-making powers, right? I, yep. I mean, he sure. said he's good at yeah, making I mean, deals. Ted Cruz would probably drive yeah. a hard bargain, I assume, for something like this. I mean, okay, so let's early call, you know, I think Trump is going to win. You know, I'm you just, I'm gonna just going off of it. You know, so. actually, I, mean, I think Tim, Tim in the chat room earlier posted a little post. He said that Trump has no 
clear path to victory. And uh, there's actually two different blog posts that I've heard about this. Well, actually, one is a news article, but the other one I think was a blog post by a cartoonist, Adams, I believe. Some friends were sharing it, and oh, it was why Trump is going to win. Um, Have, did, did you see that one? Uh, Dilbert Scott Adams, is that what it is? The guy who does. I think it is. is I that, think it is, and he's been talking about yeah. his yep. theory of who's going to win elections and why. And so the reason that he's going to win is, I guess, because one of the things is whether you see yard signs out for Hillary. Yeah, you know, I read an article last week uh, on Facebook, the uh, blog post from him, and I. I I read so much sometimes it just gets overwhelming so I forget stuff. But he's been he's been blogging a lot and just he's been predicting this since last year or whatever. He well part of it too is like you know Hillary's the health thing with her is becoming to be too much overwhelming. You know it's people are going to get yeah. Scared I mean off. we're gonna we're and, gonna have a better picture of that after the debate on Monday, right? Is she going to be able yeah. to physically get through the debate? So there's that. But I think you know also this issue of the yard signs. Is there enthusiastic support for Hillary? Now, you know, depending on what neighborhood you live in, the presence or absence of certain yard signs doesn't necessarily mean anything. But, for instance, yeah. I think I have, uh, I have a friend who's uh, in New Jersey. And if you have an absence of yard signs for Hillary Clinton in New Jersey, which I think is generally a more liberal state, I think that would mean something. If you have... Trump yard signs and no Hillary yard signs in an area that's largely liberal, I think that would mean quite a lot. And then the question is, you know, are people going to go to the polls and all that kind of good stuff? But yeah, I've got in the program notes at the blog at don'tletitgo.com an article from the Washington Post. And there is this professor who has apparently predicted 30 years of presidential outcomes correctly. And he says that Trump is headed for a win. Have you heard about yeah, this I, one? Uh, is that, no, who's the guy that did the the last one? He does sports too. He predicts, um, who was that guy? Uh, he Alan Lickman. Is this, this Alan Lickman? Oh, there's another guy too out there. Okay. Uh, Adam uh, Silver, Nate Silver. Was it Nate Silver? Oh, Nate Silver. Yeah. Guy? So, and, and that's part of the big news this week too, right? Nate Silver's predictions, the trend is more positive in the direction for Trump, you know, whereas New York Times was trying to say that Hillary Clinton has an 80 some odd percent chance of winning. It's in the 50s. Last time I checked over at 538. And it's I read an article up, on, up, you know, uptrend for Trump right now. I read an article on a HuffPo and it was just about Hillary's health, you know. And at the very, you know, it was like, kind of, it was real negative. Actually, I for the Huffle, it was negative, right? So it was saying, I, I forgot who wrote it, but, you know, about her health issues and this and that and how it could affect her and this. And then at the very bottom of the, of the article, I just had to laugh because it showed, you know, it had a predictor, a little predictor of who's going to win the election. And it was like 75% Hillary Clinton and 25% Donald Trump. And I'm like, you know, just that. It, it just struck me as, you know, this, not negative, somewhat negative, as far as HuffPo goes, article towards Clinton. And at the very bottom, it's like you still got to just get in that, well, we still think she's going to win in a landslide, you know. Right, right. Okay. I don't know how they think that she can, but uh, he lists yeah. here, he's got a, he, uh, Lickman here has an actual book 
and he lists all of these keys to winning the White House in 2016. Um, you know, who is actually going to win? Is it going to be the incumbent party or is it going to be the opposing party? And it looks like many of these factors, there's a whole bunch, I shouldn't read them all off, 13 of them, that those go in favor of the Republicans right now. Um, of course, you know, these are not necessarily commensurate factors, but they talk about, you know, social unrest and the economy, foreign military failure versus success, charisma, right? Um, right. All of this stuff, it tends probably, I guess, to favor Trump over Clinton. So do you think he's really going to get after? Do you think he's really going to get after her in a debate? They'll like really get after her and like get nasty. I wonder if that's going to happen. The latest I heard is that he's going to treat her with respect, and so I'm fearing a repeat of what Romney did to Obama, which is you know treat Obama, relatively speaking, with kid gloves. And you know how Trump could do that. You know he could be so vicious to his fellow Republicans and then just kind of sit back and be, quote, respectful to Hillary Clinton. That's going to be disappointing. Anything yeah, else before I, mean, I go I, on? I, with, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you know what? I should just get out of your way here. So, yeah, I, oh, I, you're I, not. You're not in my um, way at all. I've, I've kept you on. I've had the choice here. <laughs> no, no, that's that's cool. No, I just I, I'm looking forward to just watching. I don't think I don't know. I still don't know what I'm doing as far as voting wise, but I'm looking forward to the vote. On, there's to the vote to the um, debate on Monday. And I don't know what channel is it CNN or is it going to be a bunch of channels or I don't know. But I have not looked yet, uh, and to confess, I I hardly ever look until the day of. And I always get frustrated at these hosts of the debate because if you go to their website, you know, suppose it's CNN or whatever, you will not get a straight answer on their website yeah. as to when exactly it begins. They just want you to turn on their station and keep it on all day long. And yeah, I understand capitalism and everything else, but come on, just tell me what time it actually starts. It really demotivates me. It makes me not want to watch it. So you often have to really search around to find out exactly when it starts and exactly how to watch it. So we'll all be doing that. We'll, we'll all be scrambling on Monday. So thanks, right, Corey. Sounds... Yep. Thanks, Amy. We'll talk again. Take care. Okay. So speaking of charisma, if you go to the blog at don'tletitgo.com, I went ahead and put a link in there. The, the YouTube videos automatically post when I put the links in there to them. And if you haven't seen it yet, you can watch and listen to this video of Hillary Clinton. And, you know, I'm tempted to actually play this video for you because I think you should hear. I mean, this is, this is potentially the woman who is going to be our next president and could you stand to hear this on presidential addresses? I mean, not that you can really stand to hear Trump, but let me let me plug this in and see if I can get you some some audio. Just keep in mind that the video she looks pretty much the way she sounds. Let me get this going here. Okay, let me see if I can play this. Okay, so that was Hillary for you. Um, shrill, looking pretty uh, 
fearful. People have been describing that as manic. Opposite of charisma. So, yeah, that would be one of the factors that Lickman is using in his prediction of who's going to win the election. Uh, you know, all the all the things with Hillary and people say, okay, well, now, you know, I want to vote against Hillary. I want to vote for Donald Trump. One of the scary things that came out this week about Trump comes from the Hill, the Hill.com. Again, find all these links at don'tletitgo.com in the program notes. But Trump is calling for police to take guns during stop and frisks. This is an interview that Trump did on Fox News. It says Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump on Thursday reiterated his call for expanded use of the controversial stop and frisk practice from law enforcement adding that police should also take away people's guns in the process. He says, basically, they will if they see, you know, they are proactive. And if they see a person possibly with a gun and they think may have a gun, they will see the person, they will look, and they will take the gun away, Trump said in an interview with Fox and Friends. They will stop, they will frisk, they will take the gun away, and they don't have anything to shoot with. So then there's, you know... I guess the person who had the gun won't have anything to shoot with. This, you know, what does he mean by this? Maybe he has in mind certain circumstances in which it would be legitimate to take people's guns away. Uh, Similarly, sometimes with his discussion of restrictions on immigration, maybe sometimes he has in mind legitimate concerns and legitimate restrictions on immigration. But the problem with him is that you can't be sure exactly what he has in mind. And because he has expressed admiration for leaders like Putin, et cetera, and he doesn't seem to have a whole pile of respect for the rule of law, say in the realm of libel and other things, this is scary. You know, what he just wants everybody to be stop and frisk and have their gun taken away whenever they're carrying a gun around for whatever purpose, if they're You know, suppose they have a concealed carry permit and it's totally legitimate for them to be carrying a gun out in the world to defend themselves. But no, what, you're going to stop? So this is the sort of thing that gets you worried about Trump. This is the sort of thing that makes you a little bit sad that Cruz has gone out there to endorse him. (sighs) Greg in the chat room says, here is probably the reason behind the Cruz-Trump endorsement, Heidi Cruz rejoins Goldman Sachs. Just Jean says, doesn't Trump have the endorsement of the NRA? That's what I had heard. And then at the same time, he's been trying to court the NRA to get them to be in favor of some restrictions. At this time, says Stuart, at this time it was Donald Trump who wanted to take your guns away. Okay, nice. Um, Oh, are people saying I didn't have any audio when I was playing the Hillary clip? Was I not getting it to you guys? Oh, that's so sad. They said that they didn't hear anything. Okay. Uh, didn't hear anything, but it sounded better than Hillary. No sound for the sound clip. Okay, if I do those sound clips, I'm going to have to do it from a different audio source next time. You want to hear it? Do you actually want to hear it? If I do put it in, that they can actually splice it in at a different time. So let me go ahead and see if I can grab it on the phone and actually play it for you guys. And then it will come through. 
to the blog. You know you can get to my blog on your phones, right? So let me do that. We're going to don'tletitgo.com. And, okay, we go down to the embedded YouTube video in the program notes. And here we go with Hillary. And bargain collectively. And I will fight back against so-called right to work and wrong for America. Now, having said all this, why aren't I 50 points ahead, you might ask? The choice for working families has never been clearer. I need your help to get Donald Trump's record out to everybody. Nobody should be fooled. He proudly declared himself 100% right to work. He even hired a union-busting firm to break up an organizing campaign at his hotel in Las Vegas, where you are right now. And he built up his wealth by stiffing small businesses and contractors. That goes against everything we stand for as a How country. How did she build up her wealth? My dad was a small business. I'm just businessman. I'm just happy he never did business with Trump. Okay, so that is the Hillary clip. And and by the way, she's talking about the right to work in there. Do you know what the right to work is about? Right to work says that you should be able to seek a job. You should not be prevented legally from seeking a job outside an organized union, right? If we're talking from the standpoint of individual rights, right, where people actually have the right to freely contract for employment, then you should have freedom of the employers to hire whomever they want. You should have freedom of employees to choose to work for the employer or not. And yes, should employees be able to organize voluntarily into groups? Sure, if they want to. At the same time, an employer should be able to say, look, if you join X group, I will not hire you. They should have the right to do that. Currently in our country right now, the unions have a stranglehold on certain industries and people are not able to get a job in certain industries, certain jobs within certain industries, unless they are a member of a union. And the union has the power to coerce them to pay dues. Those dues are often used to fund lobbying for causes that they don't support, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So she is completely wrong. Donald Trump is completely right on this issue that you should have the right to work. The so-called right to work statutes are about setting workers free from the control of the union and the laws that grants union monopoly in effect in certain industries. So, you know, she's sitting there proudly talking about the fact that she is going to continue a policy of interfering with your freedom of association. And she's criticizing Trump for saying, no, you should have the freedom to associate. We should not be beholden to union labor and all of the control that it has exerted in, in certain industries, the you know, coercive tactics that they have used and literally coercive tactics. Why? Because they're getting government to initiate force against citizens in order to perpetuate the power of the unions. And that's completely wrong. And, you know, the fact that she's manic about it, someone in the chat room here was saying, I can't listen to her for four more years. Who could listen to her for four more minutes? 
forget for more years. I, you know, watching the debate is going to be painful. I think listening to both of them, it'd be nice at least if you had Gary Johnson in the debates. Any good business, he says, would kill the leverage after a while. Um, yeah. Dominique says, uh, yeah, she's, she's blaming her base that she's not 50 points up. Sounds like desperation. Yes, it definitely does. She sounds desperate. She sounds angry. And if I was her, I'd be pretty upset that all of these top actors in Hollywood aren't coming out for her, but instead coming out against Trump. How pathetic it is. And that's why I found it kind of funny as well. A lot of people are saying, no, it just made me throw up and stuff. But I found that Whedon video kind of funny, A, because it just made some jokes. But, you know, that even Whedon has to be honest and recognize what a pathetic state of affairs this election season is. The fact that he did what you could only do if you're halfway honest, which is just make some half-hearted humor about it, I thought was good. It was, uh, you know, in the context. That's what we have. What are the odds of protesters crashing the debate and stuff? Uh, We'll have to see it. Corey says, I just got an email from the Cruz campaign about his Trump endorsement subject line, never Hillary. I, <laughs> Corey says, everyone only cares about Brad and Angelina. Weren't you proud of me, though, Corey, that I didn't put a single Brangelina article in my program notes today? I didn't. Um, is it sad? Yeah. They were together for 12 years, which is not bad. Unfortunately, they were married for only the last few of those years. So, you know, exactly what that means. You know, it's, it's just kind of sad. It, it is, but no, it is, does the world go on? Do you need to spend all that ink on it? No, this is why Obama is getting a free pass right now. People are sucked into Brangelina. They're sucked into all of the Clinton versus Trump. And both of them are so bad that Obama is going around and they're announcing stuff like the 110,000 refugees that they want to bring in and stuff. And there's nothing anybody really wants to say because they're all sucked into the latest controversy. Now it's going to be Ted Cruz endorsed Trump and let's speculate as to what that means. And is it honest and sincere or not? And for days and days, there's something that they're going to use in this news cycle and they want to cover up something else. Let's, um, Let's go ahead and look at a, a couple more election-related stories. One of them, Gary Johnson. There's this video going around of Gary Johnson. He appeared on MSNBC. And, again, I think what I should do is I could just play you the tiny little bit of audio that I've got in this video on the uh, on the blog at DontLetItGo.com and just give you a sense of what he was talking about. He's talking about that he should appear in the debate – And that even if he didn't win the debate, it would have a tremendously positive effect on his campaign because then people would research and they would learn about him. They'd learn about his positions. And he thinks that if people actually learned about the fact that he is on all 50 ballots, that he's a real option and that he stands for a lot of very good things, much better than probably the combination of either of the other two, that he'd have a good chance. So, What does he do to illustrate the fact that all he's got to do is be in the debate and that people would start looking him up and seeing what he's about? 
I'll play this for you and then I'll tell you what's going on if you can't tell from the audio here in a second. Let me get some volume here. Do you think if you were able to get on the debate stage that you could pull even with Trump and Clinton in these polls? I do. And and it wouldn't be it wouldn't have anything to do with my debate performance either. It would just be that people would recognize that there's another choice and that there would be an examination of me and Bill Weld as as who we are and what we've done, and not based on that. I think I could stand up there for the whole debate and not say anything and, and emerge as a loser. So what you heard towards the end when you couldn't understand him is that he was trying to talk while sticking his tongue out and essentially biting his tongue with his teeth while he was supposedly talking. And he was saying he could speak that way the entire debate and it wouldn't really matter because all that people would you know, see from the fact that he showed up at the debate is that they should research this third alternative. And in a way, he's right, right, that the other two options are looking so pathetic all the time that having a third alternative that's halfway decent would be good. But, yeah, he looks he looks very silly. Um, he is kind of a, a bit of a socially awkward guy. Should something like this actually sink his candidacy? Should it really make a huge difference one way or the other? No. <laughs> John in the chat room says, sounded better than Hillary. Yeah. I, I think that would be very grating, but at least I could stand to probably hear that for four minutes. I don't even want to hear Hillary for the four minutes. Ken in the chat room says he knows he can't debate. And you mean, Ken, you mean that he doesn't have debate skills like the other ones do? And, or do you mean that he's actually not included in the debate and so he can say whatever he wants? He might be included in one of the later debates. I think that is still a possibility depending on what happens in the debate, what happens with these other candidates, the investigations about Hillary's health, the revelations that are coming from WikiLeaks about Hillary. There's so many things. Stewart says there's a video on Bloomberg View where the expert says you can tell who, quote, won the debate by turning off the volume and only looking at body language. Yeah, there's all of this stuff. And what is it going to mean to win a debate this year? Does, you know, the fact that we have these two particular candidates this year mean something different in terms of interpreting a debate? Greg says that Johnson would do pretty decent at the debate, but he always sounds a little whiny. He kind of does, you know, and, and when I had my friend, uh, Sonny, who was posting this and I said, look, you know, my mood about the candidates and the choice that we are facing seems to change daily or hourly and affect my willingness to either vote for, you know, Johnson or even go to the polls at all, or maybe just sit it out. And when I look at this, I say, okay. He's socially awkward. He is making a valid point, though, that just being there on the stage is going to get a whole bunch of people researching into who he is, and that will no doubt have a positive effect on his candidacy because he's got a lot of very reasonable positions uh, out there that are just better than, I would say, the total of either of the other two. He's, you know, He's got a lot of good things to say, but at the same time, it would be better if he had a good debate performance. Uh, a good debate performance could no doubt be a tremendous asset. So he can't just go in there with the attitude, yeah, I could just stick my tongue out the whole time. In, in a way, it's good to think that 
in the sense that you might be less nervous when you get on the debate stage. So if you actually think that all you've got to do is just show up and be semi-decent, then, and, and you know, he is, he, he is a decent person. And that was what I was saying uh, to my friend, Sonny is like the decent person factor seems to be weighing pretty huge for me today. When you look at Hillary Clinton criticizing the right to work in a very manic way, when you look at Donald Trump irresponsibly talking about taking people's guns away in a stop and frisk without any principled explanation as to what would justify a police officer in taking someone's gun away, this is some scary stuff that these are the two presidential candidate options that we have out there. And Johnson looks very reasonable. On the other hand, if you are thinking of voting for Johnson, I would also suggest that you read uh, Craig Biddle's piece over at the Objective Standard. Like, you know, per usual, Craig Biddle at Objective Standard, he and I thought along the same lines with respect to Ted Cruz, that we thought Ted Cruz was the best of the batch of Republican candidates out there. It'll be interesting to see what Biddle says now that Cruz has, in effect, endorsed Trump. But you know, Cruz was the best and, and we agreed for various reasons having to do with free speech and foreign policy and, you know, various substantive issues. We also tend to agree in our thoughts about Gary Johnson. There's one line of argument that Biddle pushes a little bit more than I have when I've been talking about Johnson here on the show. And that is the issue of any sort of endorsement of libertarianism or, you know, of this approach that is supposedly, quote, pro-liberty, but lacks a valid philosophical foundation. If you end up voting for Gary Johnson, you end up promoting Gary Johnson, it's very important to also say at the same time that for the long-term sake of our country, for the long-term sake of the protection of individual rights, we cannot just be content with someone like a Gary Johnson who is very unprincipled. He has an, a kind of a pro-liberty instinct within him, and a lot of his concrete positions are very consistent with that, much better than the other two candidates. But if people see him as the main third alternative and the unprincipled, no philosophic foundation libertarian party becomes the standard bearer for kind of the next big political movement, that is not a good thing. We would much rather see the nascent American Capitalist Party, for example, end up gaining some steam in that regard. So there are downsides to voting for Gary Johnson as well. I'll give you an example you know, of Gary Johnson. It's that you know, forcing the Jewish baker to bake the Nazi cake thing. A lot of people talk about it, but how do you understand that? Johnson himself thinks that discrimination by business owners, discrimination by business owners on the basis of religion, race, whatever else, he thinks that's bad. And of course, if I run a business, I'm not going to necessarily discriminate, you know, solely on the basis of religion. You know, you say, okay, certain Muslims, if they pose a danger to you, would you discriminate against them? Sure. Okay, fine. But, you know, discrimination on the basis of religion alone and stuff, he thinks it's bad morally. I would agree. You know, I promoted Cruz, even though he was religious. So what does he say? He says, well, the current state of the law, the current state of the law is to outlaw that sort of discrimination that I personally morally am against. So all he says is, I'm not going to change the current state of the law. 
And he thinks he can get away with that, saying, well, morally it's wrong to discriminate. The current law prohibits it. I wouldn't necessarily pass a law about it because, you know, I'm supposed to be libertarian, but why don't I just keep things the way it is? That's, that's where he's hiding behind. That is weak. That is bad. It is unprincipled. And in the long term, we need principles. If Johnson, you know, if he won and that did damage to the movement in favor of protection of individual rights, that would be a big problem. So that's my little bit on the election. I can't believe I've got eight minutes left and I've got one big topic that I do want to do before we got the uh, kind of rundown of some good news stories. Kira Peikoff shared uh, in social media out there a great op-ed and it's written by Lionel Shriver, an author. It's entitled, Will the Left Survive the Millennials? And it discusses this author's experience at a fiction conference. And um, what happens is, you know, basically the the author, uh, Lionel, uh, yes, I think Lionel Shriver is actually a woman, but I'm not sure. Um, anyway, she gives this speech and says that fiction writers should be allowed to write fiction, Right. And she says they should not let concerns about so-called cultural appropriation constrain their creation of characters from different backgrounds than their own. She says fiction is a vital vital vehicle for empathy. If we have permission to write only about our own personal experience, there is no fiction but only memoir. And she says, honestly, my thesis seems so self-evident that I'd worried the speech would be bland But instead, and she goes on to talk about what happened, somebody got up in a huff and protested out there and said how outrageous this was. And then there were articles published to denounce this talk. The conference itself disavowed the talk and everything else. And, uh, you know, this woman says, look, I'm a lifelong Democratic voter. I'm dismayed by the radical left's ever-growing list of do's and don'ts by its impulse to control, to instill self-censorship, as well as to promote real censorship, and to deploy sensitivity as an excuse to be brutally insensitive to any perceived enemy. She finishes off, she says, protecting freedom of speech involves protecting the voices of people with whom you may violently disagree. In my youth, liberals would defend the right of neo-Nazis to march down Main Street. I cannot imagine anyone on the left making that case today. So her message that the left is, in effect, self-destructive, that it is destroying one of its original core values, which would be freedom of expression, because of these millennials who are deciding that they've got such short fuses that they just walk out and get annoyed at the slightest bit of offense. Will they survive the pajama boys, says Herman. Um, yeah, James Michener writing about Hawaiians. So, uh, Stuart says that the Hawaiians I know love his novel about Hawaiians. Yeah, if people like the protester at this woman's talk had her way, that would not be allowed anymore. Can you imagine? And it's right. It wouldn't be fiction anymore. If all you could write about is people like you, it's not fiction, it's memoir. And... You know, fiction as a vehicle for empathy is one thing, but the point is, you know, what are you trying to do in fiction? You're trying to portray a world 
you know, to use Rand's terms as it might be and ought to be. And you can't do that if you are constrained from including as fictional characters anybody except for those who are exactly like you. So thanks to Kira for sharing that. That is the article that inspired the portion of my title that has to do with the culture of censorship. There is a culture of censorship, I guess, within the fiction world that is so powerful right now that this author is not even allowed to speak out at a conference on fiction in favor of fiction, in favor of actually being able to do fictional portrayals of people who are different from you. And that's, that is truly, truly scary. Another piece from Kira, this is actually a piece written by Kira. Uh, the article, it's a bit of good news from the medical front. Your next antibiotic might be a virus. And the article, which is, appears in Popular Mechanics, talks about the fact that even though there is a real problem with antibiotic-resistant strains of bacteria like MRSA, that one successful way of treating them is what they call bacteriophage. What's the shorthand that they have for it? Let me go ahead and get this if I can find. They call it the phage, uh, phage therapy. So it's bacteriophage. They say it's a type of virus that infects bacteria rather than people. And in Eastern Europe, where this is fully legal, they actually create cocktails of this bacteriophage. They give it to patients based on exactly what the patient has. So you would, if you go to Georgia, for example, the nation of Georgia in the you know, Eastern Europe, you could receive an individualized cocktail and have your MRSA, for example, cured. There's this one woman who nearly died from a MRSA infection since the time that she had 10 days of treatment in Georgia from this bacteriophage technique, she has tested negative for MRSA twice and nothing they did here in the United States could even handle it. So this is an answer potentially to the, um, you know, the problem of antibiotic resistance. Um, other good news stories to check out actually over there, you've got to look at the falling oil prices are causing trouble for people in Saudi Arabia. They can't live the luxurious lifestyles that they used to. So you definitely want to go check that out. Um, what else? Oh, in New Zealand, they have made a remarkable economic transformation over the past few decades, and there's an FEE article that details what they did. Imagine that if you privatize whole industries and you lower taxes and reduce regulations, that you can actually have a true economic recovery. If only our politicians here would listen to that, that would be wonderful. And then finally, the last thing that I would like you to check out at the blog at don'tletitgo.com is a wonderful dog agility run. It's a little bit of sports for you there at the end. Um, dog agility, I've talked about it before. I used to compete a lot in that sport. That's how I got interested in it. Dog agility is a sport that involves the handler guiding a dog through a course of obstacles that the dog has never seen before. The handler is afforded the opportunity to walk through the course, say for about eight minutes or 10 minutes, probably eight minutes at a big competition like the one that you're going to see in that video. So suppose the handler's got only eight minutes to plan how the handler is going to guide the dog through the course. The handler has to run at top speed 
expertly and flawlessly guide the dog through this course so that the dog can maintain top speed and go faster and completely clean through that course. Uh, what you see in the video is Sylvia Turkman. She is probably the top handler in the world. She handles both the small size Pyrenean Shepherd that you see there, and she also handles these big border collies in the large class as well. She's excellent, and she is expertly guiding this dog, Lay, all through this course at top speed, super smooth. She got the gold at the FCI, the international competition. I highly recommend looking at that. If you enjoy watching anybody who is at the top, top, top of the game in any sport out there, it's it's a beautiful thing. Uh, Everyone, I'm out of time. If you want to check out, like I said, all the program notes that I've got for today, go to the blog at don'tletitgo.com. You can also leave comments, subscribe if you want to be kept up to date on the news of the show. And I will look forward to talking with you next week at the same time. Okay, everyone, uh, take care and have a good weekend.